Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection, with free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of Pro Shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also, check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. Hi, this is Norm Duke. You're listening to Above180.com with Tim Bird and Joey Serrar. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg and Joey Serrar are ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts and the stars of the PBA, now, from Washington, D.C. and the Bowler's Pro Shop in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. Joining us today is Dave Heron. Dave is author of the book, Sporting Stings, and the book takes a real unique look at hustling and action bowling back in the uh, early 60s, 70s, and 80s. Talks. Uh, Dave has done a lot of research on this book, and Dave's been covering bowling for, for over 40 years. Dave, I want to thank you for joining me today. Well, Tim, it's really big. it's really good to be with you, Dave. The first question is, where did you get the motivation to write a book about action bowling and hustling bowling? Because that's always been kind of something that bowlers more than likely know is going on, but kind of something we don't usually discuss. So, where did you get the motivation to write this book? I had gone to South Florida to cover the Miami Dolphins when they started out, and uh, I actually got there a year early. I mean, first thing was I said, well, how come there's no bowling? You know, there's not going to be bowling in the sports section. And he said, well, no, blah, 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 you know. So, so then finally he said, well, why don't you do it? So I've been doing it for the last, well, I did, I did. Um, let me put it this way. I've been doing some kind of bowling writing for about the last 48 years. Um, and along the way, I met all these guys who were hustlers. Uh, they were they were action bowlers. And a lot of them had been hustlers. Um Usually they don't admit it when they're just bowling action, but later on in life they kind of laugh about some of the some of the tricks they pulled, and that's how it, and that's how it really got started. And Bobby Riggs shows up in South Florida, and you, you can, of course, and there were some some other some other people that I had met along the way. But but bowling is is the hub of the book. Is hustling and action bowling is that still going on today with the you know the younger generation and and uh, people engaged in our sport these days? I think there's still some action bowling going on. I don't think that there's as much of the uh, hustling going on as there used to be. You, we won't get the tales, the tall tales, and some of them are true tales um, of the real weird things. Uh, I, I think there's still action. There's still people challenging other people. But I don't think you have the hustling. You don't have that that underbelly like you used to. Well, and I know the, the one thing that, as I read through the book, the premise seemed to be, there was a lot of money exchanging hands for the early 1960s in New York City from a lot of guys that were making you know, a, a good living back in the day then and even a good living nowadays, quite frankly. Um, where did they get their money from? Was it from a lot of, uh, I know you talk about some loan sharks, but was it these guys, backers behind them, uh, shadow people, some people who would just sponsor them? How, how did that go down for most of the guys? Well, most of them just had uh, regular 40-hour jobs. Um, you got to remember, and I'm sure you know, um, that most of the action and the hustling was on late at night after the so-called legitimate ballers had gone home. 
Of course, the great bowlers were the action bowlers because they knew where the money was, and they came out after after the league had, had finished up. So they're bowling action late at night and on weekends, and many of them had regular 40-hour jobs, so they would get their seed money, most of them, from their regular jobs, and then they would go out and bowl action and try to build it up. And, and a lot of them were successful in, in increasing their earnings by, by action and hustling. How hard was it because of the fact that this is kind of, you know, the unwritten rule is you don't talk about what happens. How hard was it to get folks to come, come out and share some stories in, in regards for the book that you were writing here that you put together? Oh, these guys are, are personalities. These guys are characters. They, they wanted to volunteer it. And if you go on AC Butch's um, website, you'll see that. You'll see people like Lenny Dwoskin sharing a whole bunch of stories. You'll, you'll see people on blogs uh, and on, on uh, Twitter um, sharing stories. Uh, these guys just like to tell stories. And, and you can tell them. You can usually tell if they're, if they're just making it up. And, and they, these stories were so preposterous that they couldn't be making them up. They, they were just ridiculously funny and outrageous. But they just loved telling these stories. And this was such a big part of their lives. It wasn't like cr- criminal activity. It was just kind of uh, <laughs> a little bit off-center, shall we say. Um, and they just enjoyed it so much. This was their life. So, would you say, in writing the book, you said you 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 know mainly it was a book focused on bowling, but you did hit some of the other sports. So, would you say some of the actions and hustling that went on in bowling was par for the course as far as what the other sports were seeing, or was bowling by far and away one of one of the ones of the leaders you could say of of action and hustling? Oh yeah, as far as the hustling is concerned, you know. It, there, there was hustling in, in every sport. Bobby Riggs and Lee Trevino were a couple of the big, big names. But there were many, many, many more in bowling. And I think it was because some of the other sports, or most of the other sports, by the early 60s at least, there was a lot of money to be made on the, on the pro golf tour. You could make a lot of money if you got to be a professional, you know, major league baseball player. You could make a lot of money in just about any sport other than bowling. And, and the truth of the matter is that the, the action and the, and the hustling was for a lot more money than, than the PBA tour was. So a lot of these guys never did go out on tour. Some of the greatest bowlers of all time just never went out on tour. And one of the, the people you highlight in your book is Iggy Rusa, who could probably, uh, by some of the guys who are still around, he, w- he would be considered one of the, the all-time great of, of the, the hustlers and action bowlers. Tell our listeners just a, a couple of the stories and all your research that you were able to do on Iggy and, and some of the shenanigans that he would pull to uh, to make a buck. <laughs> well, the, the biggest one was the uh, famous heart attack hustle. Uh, probably a lot of your listeners have heard a version of that. Well, I, I researched and I was asking guys, I, I, after hearing one version of this heart attack hustle, the b- bottom line is Iggy's in trouble. He's trying to throw a game or 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 something. He's got himself in trouble. Guys are threatening him with a gun, and late in the in the game, he flops down on the floor, rolls around, pretends to have a heart attack, waits till the EMTs come. They take him off in an ambulance. He jumps out of the back of the ambulance and runs off into the night. Well, what I found after I had heard about five versions is I'm getting tired of listening. But then I sit down and start comparing notes, and I realize that this one took place at this bowling center. This one took place at that bowling center. In this one, he had this opponent. In this one, he had that opponent. All the details were different. In one story, one great story, 
Steve Rudolph, who was a kid at that time and beginning to be awesome himself, was with Rousseau in the ambulance, jumped out with him. And so what I realized, I came to realize was that Iggy had done this uh, quite a number of times. It wasn't just a one-shot deal. And he was very fortunate that he didn't do it before the same audience. Otherwise, he might have got himself killed. Well, exactly. And that's uh, one of the things I notice a, a definite New York kind of East Coast sort of mentality to this. But this happened all over the place. You share a few stories in Texas and on the West Coast. Could you just kind of go through maybe a few of the characters who maybe I know you, you tell some great stories of um, Larry Lichtenstein and, and Carmen Salvino and uh, Ernie Schlegel. So why don't you share a story on Ernie? Because he's still one of the guys, as, as someone growing up, I remember watching him on tour and, and he's a, quite a colorful character and, and seemed to go about things his own way. Well, the, the, just popping into my head now, you, that, that's what I got to go with. Ernie told me a lot of stories. He told me one about a heart attack hustle. He, he told me, he told me he was a kind of a buddy with Petragula. He and Petragula were, were in the New York City area for a long time. They were contemporaries. They grew up. They were even running in the same circles with, with Joe Santini, who was one of the one of the great, really great hustlers because nobody ever knew him. He just kept winning. You know, he could beat Lamangelo. Uh he, he could beat everybody. Um, but his his some of his trainees included Schlegel and Petraglia. So these guys were buddies for years. And then late, later on in their careers, when they were starting to establish themselves, I think they were even on the tour at this time, they had kind of a, well, it wasn't exactly a grudge match. They, they were bowling as partners, and they were winning in these uh, late-night action hustling uh, matches. And Petraglia was not, well, Petraglia was leading the way, and Schlegel was kind of not bowling very well. So Petraglia got to the point where he thought, well, he's he's the boss man, and he's gonna he's gonna go off and blah 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 on his own. And so Schlegel challenges him, and they bowl a challenge match. They each choose partners, and uh, Schlegel and his partner win. And Petraglia is shocked, and I don't think they ever that Petraglia ever did be friends with Schlegel after that. And it turned out that that Ernie had been sandbagging. <laughs> He hadn't been bowling his best because he wanted to make sure they kept getting matches for money. And if he had bowled his best along with the Chicago, they would have been whooping people so bad that they wouldn't have been able to get any competition. So he was sandbagging. Traglia thought that he was a hot shot and, and, and Schlegel was not. And so he misunderstood the whole situation. And Schlegel later on took him and, and some head-to-head stuff. Talk about some of the things that bowlers did to their bowling equipment back in the days. Because reading through the book, you just talk about how bowlers would manipulate the bowling ball at the particular house they were at to try to gain any sort of edge that they could. And that's something nowadays it seems like the bowling balls are just made so strong to begin with. You wouldn't need to to put mercury in a bowling ball to get it to turn over more because the bowling balls already can be drilled so strong. So what did bowlers do back then to do anything they could to gain that extra edge? Well, Salvino was a great one for, for experimenting with weights and balls. Um, and uh, Iggy Russo had a uh, large ball, a 20-pound ball that he used to use with his heavyweight pins. Um, different guys experiment. Some guys just bowled with with balls that either had no holes in them or they just put them in their palm. Even if they did have holes in them, they would put them in their palm and bowl that way. Um I think Salvino 
um, was probably the best at this. He knew how to weight the balls in order to, for the conditions. And one of the best stories, I think, in the book is he, he was going to a PBA tournament in Venezuela. And they're going from the airport to the, to the hotel. And, and it's, it's some kind of a revolution is going on. So they get stopped by these soldiers. And they check out the back of the trunk of the car and find out, lo and behold, there's this thing that looks like a bomb in there. So before he knows it, Salvino is getting himself shoved up against the wall with these automatic weapons to his back. He doesn't know what's going on. Nobody can. These guys can't speak English. Somebody finally, interpreter shows up, and they finally disperse these these soldiers. And it turns out they thought that Salvino has a bomb <laughs> in the back of the car. You think <laughs> Salvino is a terrorist, um, but all it was was Salvino had this undrilled bowling ball that he was taking with him that he could drill for the conditions uh, if he found out that there was a certain, you know, a certain ball that worked for the conditions. He was going to have that ball drilled, but it was an undrilled ball, and they thought they thought it was a bomb. And so <laughs> Salvino. Uh, he kind of enjoyed telling that story. The name of the book is The Sporting Stings. Guaranteed, folks, you're a bowling fan. You're going to love sitting back and reading some of the stories in this book, some of the stories of guys who you're going to know the names in here. We won't go away and, and, and give that a, you know necessarily. You've heard who we've, we've spoken about earlier, but we also go in-depth in some players that are still on tour right now and a lot of folks who are bowling the PBA 50 tour, so you're going to see, uh, see some stories and hear some stories for, about them as well. Uh, Thank you for joining us today, Dave. I thought, again, a great book, a great bowling book, and something that everyone needs to pick up. And we're going to have a link in the uh, in the podcast here uh, on the page to, to get people all hooked up where they can pick up the book, okay? All right, that's great, Tim. Thank you. And they can get it on Amazon.com also, The Sporting Stings. For Dave Heron, Tim Berg, good luck and good bowling. <laughs>